Okay, if we want to go ahead and find our seats, we will uh, listen to the Word of God. How many of you saw a pick that I think somebody was playing with on the guitar flyover? Is that true, Brian? Your pick flew over? You were playing so hard, uh, your pick flew? I saw something fly when they were playing. Thank you for leading us well. Uh, team in, found a couple things flew, it looks like. It went under the stage. I, I looked for it. I couldn't find it. We are, uh, Pastor Mike is at Summit Church today, and um, so we'll be praying, prayed for him this morning during our time, but uh, he is delivering the word over there, so I get the opportunity to speak. This is going to be more of a topical message, but we've been going through 1 Corinthians. My main text is actually in the next chapter of 1 Corinthians. So if you think you heard this message again in two weeks, you might, um, because I think somebody else may actually go with the text. My uh, thought today, though, I want to convey to us is understanding what is the church and our role within the church. Would you pray with me? Father God, I pray, Spirit, that you would grant understanding to everyone who is under the sound of my voice. Holy Spirit, we ask that you do this divine work in us. This is a sacred place here this morning. And so we need you to come and bring clarity to my words, but also to convict to exhort with all long suffering here this morning. We thank you for the work that you will be doing in our life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, when I was younger, I did not grow up with a TV. But we had a radio. And I used to love to listen to the radio because these stories would come on. They were called old-time radio stories. How many of you remember those? Boy, you guys are telling your age right here. Our, our folks that are over 50, huh? Vincent remembers old-time radio. I loved old-time radio because I didn't have a TV. And we all love stories. Well, my favorite story actually was The Lone Ranger and Tonto. I loved Lone Ranger and Tonto. And I would listen to those stories. And probably, I don't know, probably none of you know, that actually started here in Detroit on the TV series and the radio. And my youngest son is actually named after Clayton Moore, who was the Lone Ranger. <laughs> That's how much I loved the Lone Ranger. The story of the Lone Ranger goes, the Lone Ranger got hurt. They were in this cavernous area, and he got shot up, and Tonto came and rescued him. And instead of five graves, they did six graves, so everybody thought that this Texas Ranger had died. But he had to obscure himself, so he wore this mask. It was over the eyes, not the mouth. Um, but he wore this mask. Tonto realized when I was a little boy, this little boy came and rescued me and saved me, and it was the Lone Ranger. And so he devoted his life to the work that he and the Lone Ranger would do. Why did he devote his life to the Lone Ranger and his work? 
and vice versa. Because they both had saved each other's life. And he felt there was a faithful friend, and that's why the name Tonto or something along those lines came. But they devoted themselves one to another because they had each saved each other's life. If we look at why are we devoted to God, it's in that same vein, sort of. First of all, He is our Creator. That's why we should be devoted to Him. All humanity should be devoted to Him. But far more than that, Jesus is our Savior. Therefore, why would we not devote our life to Him? Jesus loves His church. And He loves it so much that He came down to earth and died for this body of believers right here. He died for us so that we could live. Why would we not be devoted to Jesus? Jesus loves this bride, as the Bible calls it. We even sang a song just a few minutes ago about we are His radiant bride expressing His glory on this earth. If someone gives you life and dies for you, what do you owe them? Not out of duty, but out of love, we owe our devotion to our Savior, Jesus Christ. So what is the church? It's a called out assembly of believers in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sin that rejects the world system and clings to their husband, the Lord Jesus. We worship together. We commune together. That's why we have communion, as Pastor Mike preached about. And we are baptized into this assembly through the blood of Jesus Christ and water baptism. You see, people are called disciples because they are learners of Jesus Christ. And we affirm together what are the tenets of this. And that is the gospel that brings us together. Jesus died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. Because if He didn't die on the cross for our sins, we would have to die. And spend eternity in a lake of fire, as the Bible calls it, hell. Paying for our sins. So either you accept Jesus' payment on the cross, His death, His burial, and then His resurrection for the payment of your sins, or you my friend, will pay for your sins in eternity. Why do I owe Jesus everything? Why am I devoted? Why am I a member of His church? Because of what He did on the cross for me. In the book of Romans it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Do you believe that today? Do you affirm that today? Are you devoted to Jesus because of what He did in paying the payment for your sins? I hope that you are. The Bible gives us the answers to our faith and how we should live out our faith. When we come to the Bible, we must say, whatever it says I will do, whatever it commands, I will do. Do you do that? None of us do that perfectly, do we? And that is why we need one another. I was reading a book, the, the Marks of a Healthy Church, by a guy named Mark Dever. And he lays out three points which I'm going to exposit to us today. Three essential points 
the marks of a church. The first one, Mark 1, is is there preaching and is it expository? Now it doesn't have to be every Sunday expository. This is more of a topical message. But in the main, are we breaking down the full ordinances of God? The Old Testament, the New Testament. Are we breaking those down and explaining and hearing from God through all of the Bible, the arc of the Bible? Expository preaching just means we walk and walk and walk and walk through texts of Scripture, different genres of Scripture. There's such a thing called red-letter Christians out there today that they only look at the red letters, if you got one of those Bibles, in the New Testament. That's not so to be. The Bible has been given us as the Word of God, the Old Testament and the New. Acts 2.42 says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They preached the Word of God. 2 Timothy 4 says, In the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of His appearing and His kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instructions. Line upon line, precept upon precept. That is what makes one essential of a church, a mark of a church. Are we looking at the Old Testament, the New Testament, and breaking it down as we preach it? And I hope you find that here we're going through 1 Corinthians. We've been through Nehemiah. Matter of fact, we had a member of our church as we were going through Nehemiah have a baby and name their child Nehemiah as we were going through that. And so God uses all of His Word, not just the red letters, to encourage, rebuke, and exhort. The second mark I want to talk about is do we have biblical theology? Do we have biblical theology? So what do I mean by that? Well, there's a fancy word that Deborah and I like to use, and it's called hermeneutics. Do we interpret Scripture rightly? It's sound teaching. The whole interprets the part. And what a lot of people like to do is they like to take one verse in isolation and say, this is what this means. We have to use the Bible interpreting the Bible to get the full effect of what it means. We are to love, but we are also to hate. Well, how can those be the same? Because we have to look at what does the Bible say love looks like? What does the Bible say hate looks like? And marry those up. We let the Bible interpret the Bible. It's called exegeting Scripture. We talked about exegetical preaching. We must not eisegete, take one thing out of context and make a doctrine on it. So do we have sound biblical doctrine? That's what the Bereans did in the New Testament. They took what the preacher was saying and looked at Scripture and said, I see that. It interprets Scripture. Not taking just the preacher's word on it, but actually studying out for yourselves. Are you doing that hard work? Are you in the Word making sure when Pastor Mike preaches or Pastor Charles or myself that we are in the Word and preaching sound biblical 
doctrine. You must, if you are part of this body, do that. You must do that. 2 Timothy 1.13 says, Retain the standard of sound words which you have heard from me in the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. 2 Timothy 4.3 For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Titus 1.9 says, Holding fast the faithful word, which is in accordance with the teaching, so that he is able to both exhort in sound doctrine and refute those who contradict it. Are we rightly dividing the word of truth in this church? You see, the Bible needs to interpret what is happening around us. We have so many things coming at us. But the Bible must be the interpreter of what we're seeing. So I'll say this. The Bible interprets what's happening in culture, not culture interpreting what happened in the Bible. And that's where we come down to good hermeneutics, understanding who wrote it, when was it wrote in, what did they mean, wrote in? Wrote. That's a wrote in. Written. I'm working on my education. So we must not let culture, culture interpret the Bible, but we must stand firm that the Bible interprets culture. And there's culture wars going on in the United States, matter of fact, around the world. And some of that is creeping into the church. And we must go back to scriptures. What does it say about these culture wars? What does it say about What's happening around us in society? Is it right? Is it wrong? We've got certain things in our culture that says there must be a certain type of person to interpret this for you to fully understand it. There must be this person interpreting this or you're not going to get a full understanding. The Bible is not interpreted that way. The Holy Spirit is the one that helps us interpret the Bible, not standpoint epistemology. The Holy Spirit is the one we want guiding us as we interpret the Scriptures. And we should. We should go to godly men and women and bounce questions off of them. Am I seeing this right? And that's part of being in community of believers who you are around helping you rightly divide the word of truth. Because sometimes we can take a verse and see it in our context and be wholly off on that. And so we must use godly people around us who also have the Holy Spirit residing in them to help us as we read Scripture. But I will tell you this. The Holy Spirit will work because this is a living document. So we must be prayed up as we read this scripture. So Mark 1 was, are we having expository preaching, walking line upon line, precept upon precept in this church? Mark 2, do we have biblical doctrine or biblical theology? Are we seeking to whatever the Bible says? Believe it? No matter what anybody else says. Or do we go, mm, it's not what I'm hearing outside. 
Mark 3, we must have a biblical and robust gospel. What is the good news of Jesus? And it is this, that God was a creator of everything we see in this world. That man is fallen from the beginning of time. We look at the story in Genesis and we see that man fell into sin. How many of you here have sinned? Every one of us have sinned. And we've fallen short of the glory of God. But Christ came and paid for our sins by dying on the cross, being buried, and then rising again so that confirmation could be had. But we must respond to what Christ did on the cross. It is a gift, yes, but we must accept that gift for the forgiveness of our sins. That is the gospel, that we need forgiveness, and Jesus makes a way. Have you accepted what He did and devoted your life to Him because He saved your life? We must understand the good news. And this good news is not so we can have a better life on this earth. Ask Stephen, how did it go for him? He was stoned. Paul, you look at any number of, of people in the Bible, and it's not like they had this glorious, wonderful, they lived in a, a mansion-type life on this earth, but they were reconciled to their father, and they were the bride of Christ. So it's not saying this will make you a wonderful life. It will, but you may not see the fruit of that. But you will have peace with God the Father. And that is the most epic thing that you can have in your life. Peace with your Creator. That will give you a wonderful life no matter what happens. We've all been through some junk. So what does this mean for each one of us as a member of this church? Would you agree that we have exegetical preaching here? Okay. Would you agree that we have biblical theology? I would agree with that. Do you agree that we have a biblical gospel? I would agree with that. So what's our role within this church? Because this is not just a pastor thing. This is all of us. Do you realize when most of the Bible was written, it was written to churches, not to people or pastors? It was written to the church at? It was written to me, to you? And that's what the Bible was not just written to the pastors. It was written to each one of us. We each one have a role to play in this body. We are to reflect the glory of God to each other and to the community outside. What does glory actually mean? Glory means we are to put on display the attributes of God. We are to display the attributes of God in this body and outside. How do we do that? We need each other 
We need each other. 1 Corinthians 11, 7 says, and verses through verse 12, a man ought to not cover his head. And we heard this when? A couple weeks ago? The last couple weeks ago. Since he is the image and glory of God. So what does that mean? He is putting on the attributes on display of God. But the woman is the glory of man. What does that mean? Well, she should be displaying the attributes of her husband, who should be displaying the attributes of God. For a man did not come from woman, but a woman from man. Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. It is for this reason that a woman ought to have a not to have authority over, excuse me, it is for this reason that a woman ought to have authority over her own head because of the angels. Nevertheless, in the Lord, women, woman is not independent of man, nor a man independent of woman. For a woman came from man, so also man is born of woman. But everything comes from God. What is these verses saying? We are to reflect the glory of each other. In our marriage, I am the head of the house. Headship. We talked about that on a Wednesday night. Does that mean my wife has no say in anything? No. What that means is I serve my wife. I serve her. Do we know what that term means? Hopefully, when we look at Jesus, we see what he did. He serves his bride. Matter of fact, he served her all the way to the cross, paying for that bride. If we go back to Genesis, man was made out of the dust of the ground. What was woman made of? took the rib and formed her. It doesn't even talk about dust. She was made from man. My wife always likes to say, I'm prime rib. You're just dirt. In the same way, Jesus was not made from the bride, but made from Christ. But we are made from Him and for Him and through Him, and to Him. We are to reflect, to put on display His attributes. Are we doing that? You see, Jesus doesn't need the church. God, in Himself, does not need anything. He is totally, totally one. Nothing is needed. But we need God. We must have God. Or we are nothing. And we need to display His glory through this body, this church, which Jesus purchased by His blood. This is not easy. This is not easy. We all have feelings. We all have pride. We all have things that come up. But as a disciple, we are members of this body that make up the bride, His church. We are a new creation. 
We are a new creation. We are not just a group of individuals. My wife and I are individuals, sure, but we are a new creation. We are one, and it's the same way within this body. We are individuals making up a collective of one, the bride of Christ. We are part of the whole. The Bible talks about the universal or invisible church or the local and visible church. Very seldom, maybe a couple times in the Bible, does it actually refer to, when it talks about the church, the church as a whole through all of time and all nations. It mainly talks about local assemblies, assembling together in a region like we are doing today. That's why the local church is so important because we are the bride of Christ here. All disciples of Jesus, all believers in Jesus are part of the invisible or the the invisible um, universal church. Every believer is part of that. But then when you come to the local level, we should, all believers should be a part of a local church if they are Christian because Christ commanded that. He has given two sacraments to this church the Lord's Supper and baptism, and says, be baptized, partake in the Lord's Supper. If you're doing that on your own in your house, that is not where it's been given. It has been given to the church when it is corporately together to do that. That is not an individual thing. It's a member thing, a body thing, a oneness thing. But you know, Even though all Christians are part of the universal or invisible church from all time, do you realize there's people part of churches today, local churches, the visible church, that are not Christian? There's people here possibly, I don't see any, but God knows your heart, that may not be a true believer in Christ. And Christ has given away to thwart out those things. It's called church discipline. And that is the the tipping point to go, are you a believer or a not a believer? When you become under church discipline, that's one of the ways. So God in the Bible says, there'll come wolves among you seeking to devour the sheep. Well, when it says among you, what does that mean? That we don't look at each other side-eyed But if something's happening that is ungodly in this church and we're confronting it and you're confronting your brother and sister and you're confronting yourself even and you're not repentant and you continue to walk in ungodliness, that has to be checked and marked. Someone cannot walk in disobedience all their life and still claim the name of Christ because they are not putting the display, the attributes of God on display for the brothers and sisters to see or the world around them to see. The bride of Christ is this church of God. How will someone know that you are Jesus' disciple? The Bible's very clear on how someone will know that you're Christ's disciple if you have love one 
for another. John 13, 35 says that. Do you have love for other members of the body? How do you display that love for other members of the body? If you say, man, I can't stand anybody here. Uh, you might want to check some things. Because that is how the world knows that we are disciples of Christ. 1 John 3.14 says, We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not, does not love abides in death. Now we're all flawed human beings. And sometimes we just need to get over ourselves. We have pride that builds up. Our feelings get hurt. We may feel some sort of way, but we got to get over ourselves and bring that to the cross and kneel before God going, you accepted me in all my sin, in all my unrighteousness. When I was flipping my middle finger, you accepted me. How can I not accept those brothers and sisters and have those hard conversations with people around you? Have those conversations that may get messy and ugly. But we must love one another. We must kill our pride. Jesus purchased this church by dying. How could we profane that? This is a place that we should be able to confess our sin openly with one another. A place that you feel you're going to receive forgiveness. And many of you have. I've confessed my sin up in front of this. Many of you have. And we need to be doing that more and more with each other. Because in Christ, there is no condemnation. And if you're that person condemning, when someone is talking about needing forgiveness, you got the problem, not them. So we need to be a place that is wrought with confession and help each other, gird each other up. You know, there's going to be times when I'm weak. There's going to be times when you're weak. we got to let each other know so that the, the weak or the unhealthy can be girded up by the healthy. I hurt my thumb. My thumb cried out in pain. Now what did I do to my thumb? Shut up, man. Come on. Get over yourself. No! I helped it along. I bandaged it. I did some things. I didn't use it as much in that time till it got healthy. In that same way, we've got to do that with each other. We need to bind each other up. Healthy. Help the unhealthy. Because you know what? You're going to become an unhealthy. And you're going to need the healthy. Are we doing that in our body? Or are we condemning? I saw a meme. I, I love memes. But it was this minivan, and it had this huge log coming out of it, and it was just like on the rims almost. And it said, on my way to take the splinter out of my brother's eye. <laughs> A lot of times we're like that. We have this massive log in our eye, yet we're judging others. We need to help one another. But also, if you are unhealthy, cry out. My thumb certainly did. 
Cry out. Don't expect people to just know what's going on in your life. That's not how pain works. Pain has a voice to it. That's how you know something's wrong. It doesn't stay silent. That's how it becomes better. Doc Haber can probably tell you that's why we have all this pain. So we know to go get something fixed. That's why I haven't been to the doctor since 2006. I have no pain. But sometimes we mask our pain, don't we? We don't want anybody to know about it. So we mask it. We don't ask for help. We don't seek out others to walk through the pain with us. We turn to illicit things. And that is not helpful. That's not helpful to any of us. If you're in pain and you're doing illicit things to help curb that pain, that's not helpful to me as part of you. It's only going to hurt me also in the long run, not only yourself. And that's why we see relationships laid waste around us. Because we've not only hurt ourselves, but we've hurt those that are part of the body. And so we must speak up and speak out loud, understanding we need help in our unhealth. There's a lot said about the word empathy today. The church needs to have empathy in the body of Christ. Empathy means vicariously experiencing the feelings, thought, the experience of another, of either the past or present without having the feelings, thoughts, and experience fully communicated in an objective, explicit manner. So what that means is, that was the definition on Google. What that means is, you feel some sort of way. For me to actually be a part of your life, I need to feel some sort of way along with you. And what happens is, we both go in the pit. What Christ commands us to do is have compassion. That's what he had on those around him, was compassion, not empathy. Compassion means, I see pain, how can I help alleviate that pain? It's not getting in the pit with somebody, it's actually putting one foot in the pit, one foot on solid ground, and reaching in and trying to help that person up out of that pit. That's the difference between empathy and compassion. And as Christ followers, we are called to have compassion to help our brothers and sisters. I will never know the pain that you feel. You will never know all the pain that I feel. That's okay. We can still love and help one another. Jesus looked upon the people and had said, I have compassion on you. He healed. He didn't leave them the way they were, but he helped alleviate that unhealth that was in their life. When you become a member of Restored Church, there's five things that you commit to in church membership. Gathering weekly, serving intentionally, giving sacrificially, walking in community, reconciling swiftly, and sharing our faith regularly. Those are bottom line things that all of us should be doing. And then outside of that, there's certain nuances that you're better at than I am. There's certain things I may be better at than you. 
I don't know how to run anything up in that soundboard. Praise God we have a sound team. Praise God we have people that work with this body that know how to play a drum and a keyboard and sing and all that. I'm not gifted in an area. I'm gifted in other areas. But it takes all of us. The people back in the nursery right now, it's beautiful. They are no less significant or insignificant in God's kingdom as me up here preaching to you today. They are just as valuable to this body. If you're up in the sound booth, you are just as valuable to this body. Leo was out doing the snow. He is just as valuable to this body. Matter of fact, let's give Leo a hand. Thank you. He was out here when I got here at 9, clearing the walks. That is just as valuable as me up here preaching. It is just a different role in this season. We all are needed in this body. There's certain things a family does. You do not want me cooking Sunday dinner. But my wife does a wonderful job. But I also wouldn't want her working on the car. We'd probably, reverse would be four. I mean, I don't know. Brakes would fall off. But I'll do that. I could change my own brakes. But I can't cook worth a lick. She's great at certain things. And I'm not so much. But I'm better at certain things than she is. So I take that role. It's the same way within this body. We all work together. We commit to one another. These are the things that we do. So this functions as the glory of God. On display His attributes, not only to this body, but to a looking world at what is Restored Church about. We are bound together in unity. We're singing about unity today. We're singing about, oh church, arise. Do we have unity in this body? I'm not talking about uniformity. Y'all wouldn't want everybody looking like me up. I mean... I'm beautiful, but in a God sort of way, made in His image. But you wouldn't want everybody looking like everybody. So there's unity in this diversity of believers. And that's a beautiful thing, knowing that we are all glued together or blood together. That's what runs through our veins, the gospel. That's the the blood that runs through us. Not all of us are a finger. Not all of us are an ear, a nose, a hand. As we read at the beginning in 1 Corinthians 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. And all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if an ear would say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, 
Where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as He chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. And that's what we are here today. We're not individuals when we gather. We are one body. You belong to me, and I belong to you. And there's a song about that, but we're not going to sing that. But we belong to each other here, don't we? Deborah and I belong to one another. We are not individuals when we are in this assembly. We are one body. And that is a beautiful thing. We are the bride of Christ. I'm going to end with a call to, are you doing your part? Are you, if you're an ear, doing the hearing for the body? If you, I was going to say, are the tongue, are you doing the tasting for the body? If you're the nose, are you doing the smelling for the body? Are you doing your role within this body? You go, I don't know what my role is. Very clear unity. It will emerge. It has emerged. Some of you have the gift of counseling. Are you doing that? Some of you have the gift of, of babies and, and hospitality and all kinds of gifts. I mean, there are slews of them. I mean, you look at the body, there's a lot of parts. And every one of them needs to function in health. And when it's not, that is why we need one another. Are you doing your part? See, what we tend to do when we're hurt is shrink away. Instead of crying out. Shrivel up. And that's what happens. We become atrophied. And that doesn't help the body. So we need one another. There's a parable that I'm going to read to close. And it's from the book... What is a healthy church? Nose and hand were sitting in the church pew talking. The morning service led by ear and mouth had just ended. And Hen was telling Nose that he and his family had decided to look for a different church. Really? Nose responded to Hen's news. Why? Oh, I don't know, Hen said, looking down. He was usually slower to speak than other members of the church body. I guess because the church doesn't have what Mrs. Hand and I are looking for. Well, what are you looking for in a church, Nose asked. The tone in which he spoke these words was sympathetic. But even as he was speaking them, he knew he would dismiss Hand's answers. If the Hands could see that Nose and the rest of the leadership were pointing the church in the right direction, the body could do without them. Han had to think before answering. He and Mrs. Hand liked Pastor Mouth and his family. And the minister of music ear meant well. Well, I guess we're looking for a place where people are more like us, Han finally stammered. We tried spending time with legs, but we didn't connect with them. Next, we joined a small group for all the toes but they kept talking about socks and shoes and odors, and that really didn't interest us. Nose looked at him this time, and with genuine dismay, 
Aren't you glad they're concerned with odors? Sure, sure, but it's not for us. Then we attended the Sunday school for all you facial features. Do you remember? We came to several Sundays a couple of months ago. Oh, it was great to have you. Well, thank you. But everyone just wanted to talk and listen and smell and taste. Felt like, well, felt like you were never wanted to get to work and get your hands dirty. Anyway, Mrs. Hand and I were thinking about checking out the new church over on the east side. We hear they do a lot of clapping and hand raising, which is closer to what we need right now. Hmm, Nose replied. I see what you mean. Well, I hate to see you go, but I guess you have to do what you got to do. At that moment, Mrs. Hand, who had been caught up in another conversation, turned back to join her husband and Nose. Hand briefly explained that he and Nose were talking about them joining another church. Nose repeated his sadness at the prospect of losing the hands, but he again said that he understood since it sounded like their needs weren't being met. Mrs. Hand nodded in agreement. She wanted to be polite, but truth be told, she wasn't sad to be leaving. Her husband had made just enough critical remarks about the church over the years that her heart had begun to reflect his. No, he never burst into open tirades against the body. In fact, he usually apologized for being so negative, as he put it. But the little complaints that he let slip out here and there had had their effect. The small, small groups were cliquish. The music was a little out of date. The programs did seem a little silly. The teaching wasn't entire to their liking. In the end, it was hard for the two of them to put their fingers on it. But they finally decided that the church wasn't for them. In addition to all of that, Mrs. Hand knew that their daughter Pinky was not comfortable with the youth group. Everyone was so different from her, she fell out of joint. Mrs. Hand then said something about how she appreciated Nose and his leadership. But the conversation already run too long for Nose. Besides, her perfume made him want to sneeze. He thanked Mrs. Hand for her encouragement, repeated that he was sorry to hear of their departure, then turned and walked away. Who needed the hands? Apparently they didn't need him. How does that hit you? A good reflection of we need one another. And it's not going to look the same. And it shouldn't look the same. May God have mercy on our church. Would you pray with me? Father God, we thank you that you have given us your spirit to bind us in unity to one another. God, this church is your bride. None of us here are perfect, and that is why we need forgiveness. We're going to need to be forgiven, and we need to give forgiveness. So God, I pray that we would see this church as a commitment to you first, but also to each other. A unity that you have bound together through the blood of Jesus Christ. 
Not something to be trifled with. Not something to be managed, but directly informed by your word of how we should operate. And so God, we need to help those who are unhealthy. We need to not judge in a way that brings condemnation, but one that brings health to our brothers and sisters. And those who are unhealthy, God, may they have their voice heard. May they speak out that they're in unhealth and be vocal about that. God, we need you to intervene so that our unity can be complete in you. Because of what you did on the cross, we ask these things. Amen.